This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Welcome to the show, and we welcome back to our show Carrie Baker, who is a professor at the Program for the Study of Gender at Smith College and is a contributing editor to Ms. Magazine and a regular columnist for the Daily Hampshire Gazette as well, we should note. Carrie Baker is an expert on reproductive rights, has a background that uh, resume that is really quite extraordinary. And what I want to know from you, Carrie, is whether or not the overwhelming sense of depression and anger that I feel since the Supreme Court uh, is issued its decision in the abortion case, whether those feelings can be assuaged and whether or not things are as bad as they seem. Well, Bill, thanks for having me here today. Um, I'm sorry I can't I can't help on that front. I think this decision is is very grim, not only for reproductive rights, but as a sign of what this court is willing to do. I think this is just the beginning. They have a number of affirmative action cases coming up next year. They, you know, we saw what they did on the you know over hundred year old gun. You know, Bill. New York, from New York, York law was over 100 years old. It's been yeah. in effect for 100 years, and this yeah. Supreme Court says, "No, you have a Second Amendment right to carry a gun." Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that there's discretion in officials to whether or not you're okay carrying a gun, well, we're just going to strike down this 100 year old law. Anyway, that's yeah. And then they, shortly before that, the decision in Maine that says that states have to fund religious schools. I mean, I, I we know who this court is, right? We know that the six Catholics in the majority are Christian nationalists, and they want to allow Christians to take over states and to impose religious laws on all people. And this is a grim sign. I mean, quite frankly, I'm reading Timothy Snyder's On Tyranny, which, you know, came out right after the election of um, Trump. And I looked through here this weekend at the 20 lessons, and I'm taking notes here. I mean, this is very helpful right now because what we are experiencing is a fascist takeover of our country. And, you know, tyranny, this is authoritarianism. You know, they're saying, oh, take take abortion rights back to the states. But they're also, you know, the voters can determine this. They're also, you know, sustaining gerrymandered voting maps. They're also striking down the Voting Rights Act. I mean, the states that are going to be making these decisions on women's abortion rights, 85% of their legislatures are men. You know, states like Kentucky and Tennessee and Louisiana, 85% of those legislatures are men. Those are the people who are going to be making these decisions. And yes, women are able to vote in those states, but the fact of the matter is that those are places where women do not have political power. And men in power in those states are going to be forcing women to comply with their religious beliefs. And I, I really am very disturbed by this decision. And, and I think it's not just about reproductive rights. It's a sign to come. They were very willing to overturn a 49-year-old precedent. And, you know, what they're gunning for are the gains of the civil rights movement, the women's rights movement, and the gay rights movement. And the dissent by Thomas made it very clear that he's going after... It was a con- concurrence by Con Thomas. I'm sorry, it was a concurrence by Thomas. You're correct. He, that that next on 
line is Lawrence versus Texas, which struck down the Texas sodomy law. It's Griswold versus Connecticut, which struck down restrictions on contraception. It's Ober Obergefell versus Hodges, which is the same-sex marriage bill. He didn't mention Loving versus Virginia. He is, of course, in an interracial marriage, but Loving also could be struck down using the reasoning of this court. Right, and we should back up just one second. So uh, in the Supreme Court opinions, there are dissents, of course, and there are concurrences. That is, the justices agree with the result, but they have other things to say and add. And what Thomas said was what uh, Professor Carrie Baker just uh, reported to us, which is that if you take our analysis seriously, Alito's analysis, there is no right to gay marriage mm -hmm. in the Constitution. There is no right to contraception. There is no right to private, inter, uh, private personal and intimate relations. Yeah. None of those things are covered. There is no right to privacy. That's what he says. And uh, there's, you know, there's a piece in Alito's opinion where he says, well, you know, uh, abortion is different because there's the uh, possibility of human life, and that's what we're talking about, which makes yeah. it different. But what Thomas says is irrefutable, which is, no, just look at what we do. Look at what we say. Yeah. Look at our analysis. And all of those rights, we can destroy them all. Yeah. And you put them in combination with what is going to come down today or this week or very, very soon, um, which is a decision that says regulation of corporations are basically really need to be shelved, thrown out. Uh, they're not constitutional either. Right. We'll see how far the Supreme Court goes, but it's really scary. You put that together with the fascism, the authoritarianism yeah. of these decisions and the corporate takeover of the yeah. United States, and you say, this begins to look disturbingly yeah. like uh, a legal system was set up in Nazi Germany. Yes, absolutely. Quite frankly, I believe that too. It's this unholy alliance yeah. between Christian fundamentalists and Catholics and uh, corporations, people with tons of money. I mean, wealth inequality in this country is astronomical right now. It's grown, you know, incredibly over the since Reagan, right? Since 1980, you look at charts of wealth inequality, and so a very slim, slim. I mean, we used to talk about 99 percent and one percent. I mean, it's really 0.1 percent that own the vast global wealth, and they are harnessing governments to their bidding to be able to allow them to make more and more money and to be able to um, control what happens. And they don't care about human rights. They don't care about, um, you know, I mean, their women don't care about abortion because their women can get it no matter what, right? The really wealthy women. So, you know, their daughters, their, you know, the women in their lives and, and those women, I mean, they can get abortion. They don't care about the women that are poor and low income, you know, 50% of people who get abortion in this country live in poverty. 75% are low income. They're disproportionately women of color. Those are the people that are going to be hurt. But actually, even more than that, and I think a lot of people don't realize it, the people that are really going to be hurt are not the people seeking abortion. It's the people carrying pregnancies to term. It's people who have miscarriages or who have you know, health problems late in pregnancy and can't get medical care because doctors are afraid that if they give them the medical care they need, they'll end up in prison or fined $100,000 like some of these laws are providing. Okay, stay with that with you, would please. The decision overrules Roe, overrules Casey too, and it says that there is no constitutional right to abortion, leaving the states free to uh, enact all sorts of draconian laws against women, against doctors, against medical providers. Uh, and 
It will allow DAs to investigate miscarriages yes. as homicides. Uh, uh, it will it make it, it certainly approves all the laws that say there is no exception for rape. Carry that, carry that. Yes. Uh, fetus to term incest also incest no exception, mm-hmm. um, and no exception and, and and no exceptions for uh, early abortions. I nope. mean, just any abortion. Uh, at any stage. At any stage. Even before pregnancy, because a lot of anti-abortion people say that a fertilized egg, before it's implanted, uh, is is a human life. So a pregnancy starts when a fertilized egg implants in the side of the uterus. But there is a period of time before it implants where it's a, where it's a fertilized egg. They believe that is a full human right with life, with all the rights. So it even applies before you're pregnant. Okay. That's how they get to attacking contraception, like IUDs, emergency contraception. They say that, that is an, those are abortive. Even hormonal contraception, a lot of them believe, is an abortificent because they believe that potentially it could interfere with the implantation of a fertilized egg in the, side of, in the uterus wall. And so a lot of them believe that contraception should be prohibited as well as abortion. Right, and of course, uh, Samuel Alito... Uh, well, as Justice Thomas would say, and look, the word contraception doesn't appear in the United States yes, Constitution. Exactly. So where's that right? How could that possibly be a right? But somehow uh, AK-47s, even though they don't appear in the Constitution, are protected by the Second Amendment. <laughs> right. It's quite, it's quite extraordinary. It is. So I, I'd like to hear your opinion. We should know that Carrie Baker is the professor at the Program for the Study of Gender at Smith College, contributing editor to Smith Magazine. She's an attorney. She's a Ms. Magazine. Ms. Magazine. <laughs> she has a uh, degree in philosophy. Her law degree is yeah. from uh, degree Emory from University. Emory. Uh, so I'd like, to, I'd like to ask you about a lot of the publicity that has been in, been in, in, in the national media since the Supreme Court's decision on abortion and, and overruling Roe versus Wade, and that is the effect and the importance of abortion pills and whether they will be available in the half of the states that are going to outlaw abortion and make it a crime, a serious crime. Um, you know, Texas, we have vigilante justice now or vigilante injustice. Yeah. But tell us about how women are going to try to access uh, reproductive freedom and access these uh, abortion pills. Yeah, so today, so I before Roe, there were no abortion pills. They were developed in the 80s and um, popularized throughout the 90s. They were approved by the FDA in 2000. Two pills, right? There's two pills, actually. The first is called mifepristone, which blocks progesterone. Progesterone is what keeps a pregnancy going. So once mifepristone acts and there's no more progesterone, the pregnancy begins to shed. Then 24 hours later, you take a second pill called misoprostol. Misoprostol, it's actually an ulcer medication, so many, it's available widely in pharmacies. It's all for dogs, it's an arthritis medication, so you can get it at the vet, but it, it causes contractions. And so you take misoprostol after 24 hours and it expels the contents of the uterus. So, you know, in about six to eight hours. And Today, 54% of abortions are done with pills, and they're done at home. So you go to the doctor, you get the pill, they send you home, you take it when you're ready to take it, and you have your abortion. And, you know, the fact that pills exist, it's much harder to restrict access to a pill that you can just go online and buy on an online pharmacy. Just last week, I went online and ordered 
I should have brought it. I, the little packet of five pills, the one mifepristone and four misoprostol. I just have it on hand. Um, I'm in menopause, so I don't need it. But you never know. I mean, <laughs> but I, I use it as a sort of visual aid when I'm in classes and things. But the point is, is that they're very easy to buy online. And I think this is what's going to happen post-Roe. This is what's been happening across the world in countries where abortion is illegal. Women have been using pills. Health authorities re realize that all of a sudden, the death rate from illegal abortion dropped precipitously. What's going on? Women have discovered pills. They're using pills. It's very, very safe. Pills are safer than Tylenol. That's how safe they are. And so um, they're very easy to get online. So uh, there's, an, there's an organization called PlanCPills.org which um, is part of this movement to try to raise awareness about pills and let folks know how to get them and how to use them. They're very easy to use. You can go on their website. They have a drop-down menu. Select your state, and you can find out exactly what the options in your state are. Here in Massachusetts, we have tons of telemedicine abortion providers that can provide you the pills easily. But in a state like Texas, obviously no longer. So there's information about the good vetted pharmacies that you can order them from. Yeah? So here's, here's my question, and I didn't mean to interrupt, but I, I really think this is a crucial point. Can women in Texas order these abortion pills from providers in New York or Massachusetts, or would they still be violating their state law and still be subject to prosecution if someone finds out about it? Yeah, so lots of pieces of that question. So telemedicine is relatively new, and... The, a lot of people have been operating on the assumption that the law that applies is the law of the state in which the patient is located. But um, a lot of folks are now arguing that the law that applies should apply in the state where the provider is located. So there is now a push for states like Massachusetts and New York to say telemedicine occurs in the location of the provider. The provider can provide t pills to people anywhere. And if that were the case, then a Massachusetts doctor could provide pills to somebody in Texas legally under Massachusetts law. But not necessarily under Texas law. Well, for the person in Texas, right now there are no laws against self-managed abortion. In They're coming. Uh, they are coming. They are coming. But right now only South Carolina and Oklahoma have laws against self-managed abortion. Somebody ordering pills themselves and using them. The anti-abortion movement all along has been about, oh, we're not trying to criminalize pregnant people, we're trying to criminalize the evil doctors that help them, right? But I agree, it's coming. Um, and, you know, this is not ideal, but it's a workaround. I mean, people that can't travel out of the state, and remember half of people needing abortion live in poverty, they don't even have credit cards or IDs, they can't fly, they can't, I mean, a lot of, you know, it's, it's a real problem. Um, you know, they can still get pills. They can go over the southern border. I mean, misoprostol, which you can actually use misoprostol alone um, to get an abortion, they're available over the counter in Mexico. People, women from Mexico are bringing these pills up and distributing them to people in Texas and other states. They're widely available. You can go to the vet and get arthritis medicine for your dog. That's misoprostol. You need to use 200 milligrams, four pills, um, I mean, you can go online and find the exact, um, you know, how you can take it. There's a website called howtoseabortionpill.org, which gives detailed instructions about how to use abortion pills, both misoprostol alone and the combination. There's also a European-based doctor named Rebecca Gompertz who will 
review whether you're eligible and send you the pills. Her organization is called Aid Access. That's aidaccess.org. But the problem is women could be subject to criminal prosecution, and there's surveillance now of people's use of cell phones and digital technology. So I've written articles on all of this if you want to read more. Yeah, and when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Carrie Baker. I want to find out the post office actually x-rays a lot of, I think, almost all the packages that go through if there should be a Republican administration, whether it be Donald Trump or Donald Trump uh, too. Yeah. It becomes president next time. Will the post office be examining all of these, uh, uh, the content of all of these packages? Wouldn't be the first time. Comstock X. We'll be right back. Oh, I'm a friend of the fetus, a friend of incomparable work. Yes, I'm a friend of the fetus, right up to the moment of birth. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. I to the fathers and mothers and I am no friend to the sisters and brothers. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. In East Hampton, what we're doing is we are migrating all of our public records requests to civilian function in the IT department as they have a thorough handle on our digital records but also know where a lot of the hard copies are and can work with not only the police but other department heads to get those requests filled. 101.5, 1400 and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. Come on over to the co-op, the Greenfield Cooperative Bank. Hi, I'm Jay Seeler, Vice President Commercial Lending at the Greenfield Cooperative Bank and Northampton Co-op Bank Division. Our experienced local commercial lenders are here for you and your business. Hi, I'm Maura Guzik, Vice President and Commercial Loan Officer. Did you know GCB is a SBA preferred lender? And unlike other banks, each of our team members has individual lending authority for fast local decisions. And I'm Adam Baker, Vice President, Commercial Lending. We're here to help your business grow with commercial loans and lines of credit. You can reach any of our experienced commercial loan officers by phone or at bestlocalbank.com. We'd be happy to meet with you at your business or at any of our Franklin and Hampshire County locations. Come on over to the co-op. Greenfield Cooperative Bank is an equal housing lender. Member FDIC, member DIF. You can count on your friends at the co-op. I never voyaged so far in all my life. You'll see men you never heard of before whose names you don't know going long way down through the meadows with long ducking guns and watertight boots wading through the meadow grass, looking at ducks, teal, blue wing, green wing, sheldrakes, ospreys, and many other wild and noble sights before night, such as they who sit in parlors never dream of. You shall see rude and sturdy, experienced and wise men, keeping their castles or teaming up their summer's wood, chopping alone in the woods, Men fuller of talk and rare adventure in the sun and the wind and chestnut is of meat, who were not only out in 1775 and 1812, but have been out every day of their lives. Greater men than Homer or Chaucer or Shakespeare, only they never got the time to say so. They never took to the way of writing. Look at their fields and imagine what they might write if ever they should put pen to paper. This thorough reading is brought to you by the Franklin Land Trust. Northampton Neighbors is free of charge and open to all with a range of social and volunteer opportunities as well as services and support for members 55 and older in the city of Northampton. Need help? Want to help? 
Join us as a member, a volunteer, or donor. Northampton Neighbors is about more than aging in place. We're about engaging in place, this place. Find us online at northamptonneighbors.org or call us at 413-341-0160. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. We continue our conversation with attorney and professor at the Program for the Study of Gender at Smith College, Carrie Baker. She's a contributing editor to Ms. Magazine, a Daily Hampshire Gazette columnist as well. I would like to know this, and I'd like you to share this with our, our, our listeners, Carrie, and it's the discussion we were having off air, which is what is the import of Samuel Alito in his decision on behalf of, and we can, you, we'll ask you to explain this in just a minute, five or six justices, um, that he uses the term unborn human being, uh, you told me, 23 times in the decision, and the implications of that, which are so enormously frightening. Share what you told me with our listeners, if you would, please. Yeah, so so I interview a lot of constitutional scholars for my writing with Ms. Magazine, and... uh, Sort of the consensus, and I'll, in particular, Erwin Chemerinsky, who's dean of Berkeley Law School, told me that he thinks what's likely to happen is that a majority of the current Supreme Court is going to rule that laws in states like California, New York, Massachusetts, protecting abortion rights, violate the constitutional rights of unborn human beings under the 14th Amendment Due Process Law uh, Clause, which guarantees the right to life, you know, liberty and life, right? Right, life. Life, liberty, and property cannot right. be uh, destroyed, taken away, impinged, infringed upon without due process. Yeah. And by calling a unborn human being, yeah. identifying uh, a fetus that way, yeah. then the court can give what are called fetal rights, rights to the fetus, yeah. and you can't take away the fetus's rights right. without due process. And an abortion takes away the fetus's rights to life without yeah. due process, and therefore those laws are unconstitutional. Yeah. You think that's the decision that they're cooking up to Yeah, render? that's part two. This is just part one. Yeah, that's definitely part two. And the anti-abortion movement has been quite explicit all along that this is their goal, right? Personhood, human life amendment, that's their goal. And and it's, and it's again, it's fertilized eggs have full constitutional rights. And I believe if you give full constitutional rights to fetal to fetuses and to fertilized eggs, women lose full constitutional rights. Women, I think this decision today um, makes women second-class citizens in the United States. We no longer have our full constitutional rights. But if, you know, this decision happens, you know, that will definitely be the case, right? So one way that the anti-abortion forces can abolish abortion across the country is to have the Supreme Court render a decision Mm -hmm. saying that the laws that allow, the state laws that allow abortion are themselves unconstitutional because they take away the rights of the fetus, ignoring, of course, the rights of the woman uh, that they don't care about, and say there cannot be any abortion, right to abortion in the United States, because any law that does such a thing is unconstitutional. That's yes. one, that's one way to for the, the anti-abortion forces to outlaw all abortions yes. in the United States. Yes, and I so I think very soon we're going to start seeing laws in places like Massachusetts challenging the constitutionality of the Roe Act or of other laws, state laws protecting abortion rights, and that will quickly go all the way up to the Supreme Court. And I I mean, there's nothing about this opinion or about the members of the current court that lead me to believe that they will do anything other 
than exactly that. Strike down abortion laws in states that protect the right to abortion. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to continue this conversation because I want to ask this question. Can a Republican Congress with a Republican president pass a law that will simply outlaw abortion? We'll find out after the break. Stay with us. The way I see it, which is uh, as a civil right. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Rallies took place across Western Mass on Friday following the ruling made by the Supreme Court. Protesters gathered at Pulaski Park in Northampton to demonstrate their opposition to the reversal of Roe v. Wade. Close to 100 people also lined up Friday night in front of the federal courthouse in Springfield. Other protests were held in Amherst and Greenfield. Lawmakers are being urged to allocate billions of dollars in federal pandemic relief. Mayors and town managers called on the bonding committee to reverse a decision to strip $2.3 billion in ARPA funding from Governor Baker's economic development bill. ARPA fund money must be committed by the end of 2024 and spent by the end of 2026. The legislature could also opt to delay ARPA spending decisions until after a new governor is elected. A Belchertown man faces up to 10 years in federal prison after allegedly stealing over $63,000 in disability benefits. Kenneth Ponce was arraigned on Thursday on a single count of theft of public funds. He's accused of stealing the money from Social Security over a six-year period. The UMass Amherst Police Department is holding a recruitment and hiring seminar today. The seminar will be held at the UMPD station, located at 585 East Pleasant Street. Job seekers will have the opportunity to meet with current UMPD officers to explore careers and learn about current as well as projected openings on the force. The event will take place from 6 to 8 p.m. Scattered showers on the morning commute, then some heavy rain and thunderstorms during the middle of the day. Heaviest rain will happen 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Rain quickly tapers off mid-afternoon, even some sunshine before sunset, a high of 76 to 80. Clearing breezy tonight, low of 50 to 56. Mostly sunny breezy tomorrow, 76 to 80. 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. This News Minute is brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. Yo soy Johan Reshivega con la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media. La ciudad de Holyoke será la anfitriona de los Fuegos Artificiales Anuales de la celebración del 4 de julio, este viernes 24 de junio, con fecha de lluvia para el 25 de junio. El evento se llevará a cabo en los terrenos del Holyoke Community College. La ciudad invita a todos a que lleguen temprano para disfrutar de la música, la comida de una variedad de vendedores y muchas actividades para niños. El evento comenzará este viernes a las 6 de la tarde y el espectáculo de fuegos artificiales está programado para comenzar al anochecer. Esta será la primera vez después de la pandemia que se llevará a cabo en Holyoke la celebración anual del 4 de julio con el espectáculo de fuegos artificiales. En otras informaciones, este sábado 25 de junio se llevará a cabo el segundo festival anual Noche de San Juan. Los puertorriqueños de todo el mundo celebran la Noche de San Juan en la víspera de la fiesta del nacimiento de San Juan Bautista. La celebración, que tradicionalmente ocurre dos días después del solsticio de verano, reúne a miles de personas en las playas de la isla de Puerto Rico y al dar la medianoche, las personas se sumergen al menos tres veces hacia atrás, aunque algunos hacen siete o doce inmersiones para librar la vida de todas las negatividades. 
En Holyoke se prepara el festival con actividades acuáticas para todas las edades para hacer una sensación similar de la tradición. Para la celebración en Holyoke de la Noche de San Juan, habrán actividades para todas las edades y eventos artísticos y musicales que integrarán la identidad cultural puertorriqueña. La Noche de San Juan se llevará a cabo el sábado 25 de junio de 12 a 7 de la tarde en el campo deportivo de Boninfield en South Holyoke. Yo soy Johan Rashi Vega y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media a través de WHMP. This News Minute has been brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. We continue our conversation with Carrie Baker, professor at the Program for the Study of Gender at Smith College, contributing editor to Ms. Magazine. We were talking during the break about any number of aspects of the Supreme Court's recent abortion decision. One thing I would like to go back to and have your perspective on is this. Could a Republican Congress pass a law with a Republican president, of course, that would simply abolish abortion and that the federal law would then take precedence over state laws and state constitutions that protect reproductive rights? Yes, absolutely. And I have no doubt that if Republicans got a majority in the Senate, they would immediately get rid of the filibuster and pass just such a law. You know, the thing that's keeping the Democrats from doing that now is... From abolishing the filibuster. From abolishing the filibuster and passing the Women's Health Protection Act is mansion and cinema to... Democratic senators who will not vote to lift the filibuster. They want bipartisan legislation. But the fact of the matter is there are no Republicans that will support this. And so, uh, you know, but I have no doubt that the Republicans would get rid of the filibuster immediately if they got a majority in both houses and the, and the presidency, which is why I think that the fall elections are so important. Democrats have got to get out there and fight. There are seven states that where it's up for grabs that Democrats have a shot at. And if we can get two more Democratic senators, we can pass the Women's Health Protection Act, which would guarantee the right to abortion in all 50 states. So I think that we really need to focus on those states that we have a good chance at. Could a law like that pass if the Democrats grow a spine and decide to somehow lift the filibuster and then the Supreme Court decide that yes, that unborn yep. humans are people and then would override that yes. as well. If this, yes. If, this, if Congress passed the Women's Health Protection Act, the Supreme Court could still strike it down. So there's no way to win this game, even if the Democrats win more seats in November. Except expanding membership of the Supreme Court. And there's a fulsome movement right now to add four more justices. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that Mitch McConnell stole that Merrick Garland seat that Gorsuch now holds, which opened 10 months before the election. He refused to have hearings on Barack Obama's nominee, Merrick Garland. And then that seat, when Trump won, went to Gorsuch. But then when RBG died literally weeks before the election in 2020, they rushed through Amy Coney Barrett. And that is how they got a 6-3 supermajority that is, you know, intent on dismantling the gains of the civil rights movement, the women's rights movement, and the gay rights movement. Carrie uh, Baker, spend a minute on one, another aspect of this for us. Monty and I were talking with the news reports began to come in during our last show. We didn't have time to actually, the opinion was not issued in, until after uh, we were off the air. 
But the preliminary report said some said the decision was six to three, some said five to four. Explain that to us, if you would. So Alito wrote the majority opinion with four other justices joining him, and then Chief Justice Roberts wrote a concurring opinion in the result. So six of them agree with the result of this decision. They agree with the idea that Roe versus Wade and Casey versus Planned Parenthood should be overturned, is overturned. My question is, is this. Was, does Roberts agree that Roe was badly and wrongly decided and Casey was wrongly and badly decided and that there is no right to abortion? Or was he simply concurring that this particular law that was being challenged in this lawsuit was? So it's it the uh, latter. It was the latter, right? I mean, he never wanted to, um, he only wanted, the Mississippi case was granted. It's a 15-week ban. Right. The issue initially in the cert petition was, is this ban okay? After Amy Coney Barrett got on the court, Mississippi began to argue for an entire overturn of Roe. So not just 15 weeks, at all weeks. And that's what the majority, those five did. That's what they did. Chief Justice Roberts never wanted to do that. He he expressed during oral arguments unhappiness that that basically Mississippi pulled a bait and switch. They said, oh, we want 15 weeks. Oh, now we want the whole thing. And, you know, but nevertheless, it doesn't matter because Roberts concurred in with in the, the majority. In the judgment. In, in the it, judgment that Roe versus Wade is gone all, you know, from zero weeks on. So Right. So he kept his right wing bona fides. I do detest abortion, and I don't care about the rights of women, and I do really care about the rights of a fertilized or a maybe about to be fertilized egg. Yeah. Uh, and if we can f have to force women to yeah. uh, uh, give up all the rights and to, it's just... And Roberts doesn't matter at this point. I mean, because he, we don't, they don't need Roberts' vote. There's the five other people that, by the way, two of the five are credibly accused of sexual assault. Or in sexual harassment. And I, I believe that uh, sexual abuse and forced pregnancy are two sides of the same coin, and that coin is misogyny, hatred of women. And, you know, I don't think it's a surprise that these two credibly accused sexual abusers are in the majority on this opinion. How about Monty's point that we were talking about uh, during the break, which is that these justices got on the court by saying, Roe is precedent. Roe needs to be followed, uh, uh, and essentially saying, I would not go on the court and Yeah, they lied. They're hypocrites. They perjured themselves as much. Because if you were trying to get creative legally here, should they be brought up on charges for perjury? Yeah. I mean, they'll just say, oh, we changed our mind. Very quickly, it seems. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Susan Collins now is, you know, all mad. It's like, really? Did you really think that they weren't going to do this? I, I think she's acting because she's a fool if she believed them when they said that. They've made it very clear all along where they stand on this issue. They're following orders from the Catholic Church. You know, right after the Alito opinion came down, the Catholic Church threatened to, um, you know, refuse communion to people that don't vote anti-abortion and, you know, focused on Pelosi and Biden, but really it was right after the Alito opinion, it was very clear he was whipping in shape the six Catholics on the court that need to follow the Vatican or, you know, they'll get excommunicated. I mean, it, again, I just think this is Christian nationalism. It is the takeover of our country. Which is interesting because our, our country hated Catholics they at did. the very beginning of I it. I know, it's so ironic. Yes. Yeah, and I remember John Kennedy saying, yep. I am not the 
Catholic president. I yeah. am running for president. I happen to be a Catholic. I do not take any orders yeah. from... And, and make mo- no mistake, the heart of the anti-abortion movement is the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. I mean, yes, evangelicals got on board later, but, you know, the Southern Baptists actually supported Roe v. Wade when it came down. The Catholics are the one that seeded the anti-abortion movement, funded the anti-abortion movement, and have pushed it to this position. Okay. Somebody grew up Catholic. I apologize, everybody. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay, Carrie, I'd like to not end on a total downer. Um, there is a Beyond Row coalition in Massachusetts. Yeah. There are proposals on how to fight back. Give us some ray of sunshine, some hope here, please. Well, our governor did great on Friday. He issued an executive order protecting health care providers and others who help people from out of state. Um, to get abortion care that they need. He provided a number of protections. Uh, We have legislation currently pending before the legislature, an amendment to the budget that would, for instance, um, prohibit the state from extraditing anybody to another state um, or from being sued by people from other states um, as long as, you know, the law is, uh, the the medical providers are following the law here in Massachusetts. They're protected. Um, There would also, uh, there's another provision saying that defining telemedicine health care as occurring in the state where the provider is located so that Massachusetts providers could provide telemedicine health care to people in states that ban abortion. And there's Lindsay, our local Lindsay at Sabados' bill to require public university health centers to offer medication abortion. So all of those things are really important things here in Massachusetts that we need to work on and get passed quickly. We're going to leave it there. We've been speaking with Carrie Baker, professor at the Program for the Study of Gender at Smith College, contributing editor at Ms. Magazine. Thank you so much. You'll come back and visit with us more because there's a lot more to talk about, I hope. Nice to be here with you. Thank you, Carrie. Take that dry blue pill. They may see a monster. This they is Bill Newman, WHMP. The Western Mass Business Show with local dynamo Tara Brewster, Saturdays at 11 and Sundays at 2, only on WHMP. Brought to you by Business West. The vital business news in Western Mass is in Business West. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. You're Weed Eater. We mean Weed Whacker, but Weed Eater fits better in this ad. Makes life simpler. Well, now the Mortgage Eater from Franklin First does that as well. Franklin First reintroduces the Mortgage Eater Loan. The loan that pays off your first mortgage or works as a second mortgage to give you financial flexibility. Mortgage Eater Loans start at five-year terms and have no closing costs. So visit franklinfirst.org, get all the details, and apply online. Franklin First Federal Credit Union, member NCUA, equal housing lender. Every Friday morning, Monty visits the wine snobs to talk about wine at State Street. But I don't see wine here, Ringo. What do you got? Well, who am I? You're the spirit guy. Uh-oh. So you're taking me down the road of spirits. There's custom glass issues. So anything that comes in custom glass is having trouble. Okay, Carly. She's, she's muted on her mic. Let's unmute you and make sure that everybody on the phone can hear you. Custom glass issue. You know, they have all the stuff. Most of these whiskeys are 3, 4, 10, 18 years old. Way before COVID. Way before any supply 
chain issue, so it's not a production issue, it's a bottling and shipping issue. We're tasting whiskey today, and these are all gonna be single malts, but a lot of the famous single malts, we're used to ordering them a certain way, but we can't order them in that way because they're not getting in enough of those things. So the price will go up 20, 25, $30 on the shelf. We're not gonna pass that on to the consumers, we're just gonna go, we don't have it, but we have other options. These are single malt whiskey alternatives. I like cheap. Find your favorite whiskey and your next favorite whiskey at State Street. I grew up in West County, but I didn't know there were places like Nelquit until I realized that my mom needed some help. My dad was always controlling and kind of jealous. But after I left for college, it was just the two of them, and it seemed like it was just getting worse. My mom wasn't going out as much, and he would check her cell phone all the time to see who she was calling. Then he started threatening her. I talked to a friend who lives in the area, and she told me about Nelquit. I called the hotline because I was worried about her staying in the house that night. They understood why I was so worried and they were able to help her to get to my grandma's house in Boston. Nelquit, New England Learning Center for Women in Transition, offering 24-hour crisis line support, walk-in appointments, counseling, safe plan, legal services, and supportive supervised children's visitation. If you or someone you know needs Nelquit, please reach out to them. They'll be there. 479 Main Street Greenfield, Nelquit.org, N-E-L-C-W-I-T.org or call 772-0871. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. And this is our Black in the Valley segment, hosted by the Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Smith-Crooks and Professor Kari Tartikoff. Let me turn the microphone over to the Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Smith-Crooks. Jacqueline. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Bill and Monty. Uh, technology can be a good friend and it can be a great enemy. So we're dealing with technology. As we invite our uh, guest this morning, Reverend Dr. W.C. Watson. Dr. Watson is a pastor of a church, Canaan Baptist Church in Springfield, Mass., has been for 28 years. He's an author. And the book title is Joyfield Life, and I'm sure we can all connect with that this morning. And recent recipient of the Urban League of Springfield Communities Saving Lives Award. Mm -hmm. um, graduate of Harvard College and Harvard Divinity School in Theology and Public Policy. How convenient for us at a time like this in so many ways. We have just witness our recent celebration and commemoration of the holiday Juneteenth, and we're going into another national holiday where there's a sharing of some thoughts, and that's the 4th of July. At the same time, there is, there's a place where there's not that intersection of interest and of action. And Dr. King raised the question, when we look at when all is said and done about the state of the American life for people along racial, linguistic lines, and economy, uh, gender, where do we go from here, um, Dr. Watson? Well, I would say this. Uh, we go forward now probably better aware of some of the challenges in this society and to certain communities within this society. I speak about our ongoing uh, challenge with the pandemic, uh, with the COVID uh, pandemic, uh, 
and yet uh, we can go back a couple of years to the fallout of the impact from the George Floyd murder, if you will. Uh, and then, of course, there have been recent developments, uh, particularly as we look at what's happening on the national scene and in certain states in particular. And it just seems that we're just in uh, a season and a time that is confounding and confusing. And yet uh, the challenge has been there, uh, particularly for the African-American community. It will continue to be. Uh, I believe that we have to certainly assess uh, the progress that we've made, the strides that we've made, and yet be very clear-eyed about the remaining challenges. And in fact, that there are looming storms on the horizon that are facing facing us, facing really the nation, uh, if not the whole world. And so uh, we're living in, uh, I guess what the, uh, the old Chinese proverbs would say, we're living in interesting times. Interesting indeed. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. I just Both of them dropped a call, so I guess we have to turn it over to Carly at this point. So, Carly, the, the, Dr. Watson, we hope to have him back on the phone soon. The conversation he was uh, leading us in was about uh, what the 4th of July... The call was dropped. The call was dropped. Yes, we got you back. We got you back. That was quick. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Is he there? No. You're there, though. Doctor? Okay, I'll have, to, I'll have to call him back. Okay, you call him back, and we'll talk to Carly. Okay, Carly. Yep. So, W. E. Du Bois, um, I believe, very famous. No, Frederick Douglass. I'm sorry, Frederick Douglass is my, my mistake, my, my bad mistake. I think. Yes, yes, you're what absolutely right. Slave, what to, what to what the slave is the 4th of July? It's the 4th of July. And on the 5th, uh, many people in the Valley will be celebrating, uh, reading that, by reading the his speech, We'll be talking about what Frederick Douglass talked about. He did that speech on the 5th. Some people, I think, are doing it on the 4th. And they will be highlighting his speech all over the uh, valley, I do believe. Well, I there haven't is, heard of it. There is in Northampton. Mm -hmm. This has been done before. It was yeah. very, very moving. Uh, right. Uh, and we've done it in Amherst. Uh, for many years. That is, the, the community comes together and comes read, together reads and the entire talk. speech. It's about only about an hour. Um, uh, yeah, it's it is a, extremely it's moving. Yes, it is. And it's, and uh, uh, I haven't seen anything for Amherst, but I know it's being done all over, all over the country. And I think it's been done in Northampton. I think it, the, it has been done. It's sponsored by Historic Northampton. Yes, absolutely. And so it's been done at the Bridge Street School, and I believe it's happening at the Bridge Street School as well. Do we ha do we have Dr. Watson back with us, Monty? I'm back. Great, Dr. Watson. Good. Please, please continue with what you were saying before you got knocked off. Okay, I I don't know at what point I was cut off, but I want to reemphasize. Uh, that we are in these confounding and confusing times, and yet there's a compelling reason uh, for us to be hopeful and certainly to be driven in what we need to do, uh, and, and that includes within 
our local community, but also nationwide. Um, it, I, I do find that my training in public policy is relevant for such a time as this, uh, and that there is a need uh, for us to be as concerned with matters of our faith uh, in the faith community as we are with the policies on the national scene. And, mm. and so I, I just believe we're challenged, and, uh, but it's, it is a great opportunity. It's a compelling opportunity uh, to go forth uh, you know, with, with every determination that we have to be as faithful to the cause, uh, as committed to the work of social justice and social equity, and mm-hmm. to really understand that that the battle continues, you know, the challenge, uh, the work continues uh, in this season and at this time. Uh, and, and so it's, it is something that uh, I uh, am exhilarated about, and I, mm-hmm. I know that uh, many others are as well. How, right. this is uh, Smith Crooks, my question to you, um, Reverend Doctor, uh, and policy um, advisor. Mm-hmm. When we have incidents like uh, one that occurred, I guess, recent months or years, your church sign was defaced, and we don't yes. know who did it. Uh, I, yes. I understand they're still looking. How mm-hmm. does one maintain hope, faith, and joy in times like these? Not to mention what just happened recently with the Supreme Court. But you mm-hmm. put that on top of this. Mm-hmm. How how does one maintain that sense of joy and hope mm-hmm. and 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 faith? Well, I would say first of all, uh, we should look at it, view it within the context of other assaults on houses of worship. Uh, preceding that, uh, the Martin Luther King Church, uh, Presbyterian Church in Springfield, uh, was burned. Uh, you know, uh, an, ars- an arson, arsonist att- uh, attacked the church. Uh, we know that there have been church burnings, church assaults, and of course, we know that there have been shootings uh, in, uh, in in the church uh, as well. We think about Mother Bethel uh, down in South Carolina, and so there's. It, it, I do believe we have to always keep it in context and understand that the challenge has always been there, that threats have been there, assaults against uh, the community at large, the community in general, and and our houses of worship in particular. They've always been there. And yet uh, the fundamentals of our faith teach us to really look at what's beyond the horizon, what's beyond these circumstances. We're reminded that uh, uh, in this life, in our walk of faith, there will be trials and tribulations. We're, we're taught that. And so uh, it is incumbent upon us to go forth, to embrace that faith, to understand that it has brought us thus far uh, along the way, and that that same faith, that same energy, uh, the joy of it all uh, is what will compel us to go forward. It will propel us to go forward. And uh, that is something I gave some thought to some years ago when I penned the book, Joy Field, Discovering the Profound uh, Joy That's Within. Uh, I came to understand that so often uh, in the church, you know, even our churches, in, in, in the houses of worship where we go and celebrate and have uh, just a, a good time of celebrating on Sundays, that 
there was a lot of pessimism. There, there was a lot of concern. There, there, there was a lot of hand-wringing about what's going on in society. And yet everything that I'd read uh, you know, in, in the Bible, everything that I had studied uh, in you know, past history and in some of the theological teachings uh, that I focused on, taught me that there is a compelling joy that is critical for us. And if we can't enjoy the journey and the march, uh, then we are, of all people, most, <laughs> most lost. Uh, uh, that, that compels us. That, that gives us a reason to keep marching on, fighting on, and, and, and deciding that we will go forward to do what we need to do. And so what you would say uh, to those of us who are in the midst of uh, the Juneteenth and July 4th and the recent court decision, um, mm-hmm. and, and in terms of marching on and doing what needs to be done so that we can actually realize that hope, it becomes reality. So I... I, I, I I'd love to keep this going, but it looks like we have 20 seconds. It has been mm-hmm. great to have you join us this morning. Thank I you. Um, would like to know if there's one last thing you would like to say. I would just want to encourage everyone, uh, even though some would speak of these times as dark and difficult times, uh, yet there, there's a reason to rejoice, and, and there is a compelling reason. Uh, to hope, to fight on, and to continue to strive for what we know uh, should be our ultimate prize in this society. Thank you. Thank you so much. Pets and people, they belong together. They help us feel calm and loved with every tail wag, kiss, and snuggle. Fake and Humane Society believes in this bond, and your support keeps people and pets together. You provide resources so animals with medical issues can get the care they need to find homes. Our pet food aid program lets people facing tough times feed and keep their pets because you care. Bacon's many programs and services help companion animals and the people who love them. To make a gift, visit DakinHumane.org. Looking to take a little breather from the news? We don't blame you. Why don't you turn the dial over to our pure oldie station, 96.9. It's the music you grew up with. WHMP and the News will be right here when you get back. The only live and local talk in the Valley and for the Valley. WHMP Northampton, WHMQ Greenfield, a Northampton radio group station. It's 10.30.